You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We ought to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller. It is Saturday, August 7th, 2021, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, August 8th, 2021 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama, and Wednesday at 10 a.m. on WHIV in New Orleans, Louisiana. Today we don't have a guest. So if you want to call in, get that number ready, 1-866-494-9866. The president of the AFL-CIO has died. How can politicians honor his legacy? Alabama miners continue to fight, and the state takes the side of the boss. Big surprise. We'll bring you the last couple of weeks in southern labor, get you up to speed on some local news and more on today's Valley Labor Report. If you want to see what we are up to throughout the week and get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. Uh, and if you miss part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for the Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there and we clip segments and release them throughout the week. We do a upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, you can go to thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. We've got a website where you can buy our hats and stickers. That's thevalleylaborreport.org. We've only got two hats left. We are down to two hats. So the next two people that order a hat will be the last folks that get one. I don't know when we're going to order, when we're going to get another round. So if you want one of those hats, uh, go ahead and place your order, thevalleylaborreport.org. And finally, if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay, to stay on the air, then the best way that you can do that is throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Richard Trumka was the president of the AFL-CIO. He is a former coal miner, a former lawyer for the United Mine Workers of America, and formerly the president of the United Mine Workers of America. He led the nine-month-long Pittston strike in 1989 and 90, a strike that included massive acts of civil disobedience that ultimately led to an astonishing an absolutely astonishing $64 million of fines on the union and its membership. Uh, 
some of which some of those fines were dropped in exchange for a pledge of 10,000 hours of community service by union members uh but much of it was not and the and uh the union had to pay that the strike did lead to a victory though that resulted in better health care and retirement plans for the miners so given this history it is i believe fitting that Brother Trumpka's final act of service for the labor movement was a video that he sent to the mine workers at their rally on Wednesday, where more than 2,000 union members from across the country and union leaders spoke in support of these workers, representing teachers, government employees, port workers, steel workers, auto workers, and more. Uh, and we obtained the video from the UMWA and wanted to play it in its entirety here. Hi, brothers and sisters. I'm Rich Trumpka, president of the AFL-CIO, and I'm also president emeritus of the UMWA, proud third-generation coal miner and a member of United Mine Workers Local 6290. And I stand with my brothers and sisters at Warrior Met. I stand with you today, I stand with you tomorrow, and I'll stand with you for as long as it takes to win a fair contract. And I want to say that your 12.5 million brothers and sisters of the labor movement will stand with you for as long as it takes for you to win a fair contract. When you've been working alongside your fellow workers two miles underground, when you've been watching each other's backs and fighting for your rights on the job, you truly trust and understand each other in a very, very fundamental way. You understand that because you've lived that, That's why you sacrifice so immensely for your communities in Alabama. And that's why you work tirelessly each and every day. And that's why you're on strike today. Warrior Met or BlackRock have never led the lives that we have. But it's time for them to recognize our reality to pay us a fair wage, to provide us with good benefits, to give us a fair contract now. And nothing, I mean nothing less, is acceptable. And don't tell us that it's too much to ask for. Don't tell us that can't be done. You see, you, brothers and sisters, are the reason for warriors' prosperity. And we will not sacrifice our dignity for their profit. And that, quite frankly, is what this strike is all about. Brothers and sisters banding together and demanding better. Better is what we need. And better is what we've earned. And better is what we will get if we make the PRO Act the law of the land. You see, for decades, big businesses and anti-worker politicians have chipped away at our rights. They tried to take away our power. Well, I can tell you something. They won't win. And neither will Warrior Met. You see, it's time to regrow America's labor movement, to restore our rights, and to reclaim our power. It's time for a fair contract. To Warrior Met and all the union busters out there, no matter how much you try to intimidate us, no matter how hard you try to break us, Working people are not going to give in or cave in or capitulate. We're not going to give in and we won't give up. We will prevail.
One day longer, one day stronger, we're one. God bless you. Take care. Solidarity forever. That was uh, that was Brother Richard Trumka's speech to the UMWA on Wednesday at the at what was billed as the largest uh, labor rally in the history of Alabama. And like Hamilton Nolan said, that's a, gl- a claim that is too good to fact check. <laughs> um, you know, it's and I think that that is uh, really indicative of uh, the best of what Brother Trumpka's legacy is: fighting for uh, fighting for workers that are striking, fighting for workers uh, that are fighting for themselves, and at the same time weaving that into a broader vision for um, how to make society better and more fair for working people. And so. I wanted to spend today. We we, we spent. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about the Pro Act and its potential to pass through reconciliation. And I mentioned that I wished we could. Um, I wish we could go deeper into the Pro Act a couple of weeks ago. And so I wanted to take the time to do that today in honor of Brother Trumpka and in honor of the fact that this the passage of the PRO Act is really, I mean, since 2018, you know, for the past uh, several years, that has been the kind of number one thing. If you see, if you had seen Brother Trumpka in public speaking about anything, he always we he always weaved the passage of the Pro Act into whatever it was he was talking about because he believed that it was, and I believe that it is so important for working people to restructure the balance of power in our society from the owning class to the working class because a fight, a class war has been waged on the part of employers for the past uh, several, several decades and they have been winning with the passage of Taft-Hartley and every other labor law reform has been solely to further entrench the power of work of of the <laughs> of not workers of owners of bosses and to decrease the power of workers and decrease the ability decrease our ability to organize so so then let's uh, uh, let's do that. Let's dive deep into what the Pro Act does, and this is still going to be a pretty. Uh, a pretty high level view, right? We're going to go much deeper than we did a couple of weeks ago, but it's still fairly high level. The best place, the best breakdown of the PRO Act that I have seen is on Brandon Magner's Substack. That's actually where I pulled a lot of what I, you know, I, I, I tried to pull pull some of the things that I thought were were most important and maybe most relevant. But if you want to see every single thing that the PRO Act does, the PRO Act is an amendment to the National Labor Relations Act. So what Brandon did on his substack is he went through and read the PRO Act and he read the National Labor Relations Act and every single place that there is a difference, every single place that the PRO Act changes the National Labor Relations Act, he notes it and he he gives you a bit of a history there. So it's really good. It is a fantastic breakdown of the PRO Act. So I highly recommend you going to Brandon Magner's Substack to read that full um to to read that full breakdown. So let's go ahead and start that. We've only got a couple minutes left here in this segment. We'll pick it up on the other side. The first thing 
to note is that it correctly defines employees and their ability to organize. So what does that mean? One, it attacks Fissuring. Fissuring is where a large employer will subcontract out work. So Google, for example, subcontracts out so much of its work. It's, uh, it's, it's janitorial work. It's secretary work. It's transportation work. A lot of it is subcontracted out. Amazon does the same thing. And so that makes it really difficult for workers to organize. Why does it make it difficult to organize under those conditions? And uh, why does attacking, wh- what does it mean that it's going to attack, the PRO Act is going to attack this problem? What is it going to solve? We're going to explain that further on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. If you're looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 3334 that's 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at net. and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. Put it there, boy, and we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. Working class. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller. We are talking about the Pro Act, diving deep into it in honor of our brother Richard Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, who just passed away last week. Um, it was it was very sudden. Uh, he had a very sudden heart attack. It was not expected at all, and so I can't imagine the the pain that his family's going through. Sending our uh, prayers, well wishes, and solidarity to everybody that was close to him, and to our brothers and sisters in the labor movement who lost a who lost a good leader. So. So let's talk about that. The first thing that, that that I talked about is that it correctly defines employees, and so so I mentioned that fissuring is a that that's something that employers do. Uh, they subcontract out work. So now let's say if the janitors at Google want to unionize, what they would have to do is unionize with their um, with their the contractor that that technically employs them. But we all know that the actual uh, the person who actually employs them, right? The person who is the one that signs the checks, who is the one that that actually has the power there, 
is Google. And so the PRO Act would allow uh, – it would create like a like – a, or, or recognize a joint employer status. And so the janitors would be unionizing at the contractor and at Google, and Google would have to bargain with them as uh, – if they unionize as a union, Google would have to bargain with them instead of just the contractor. And so that – greatly increases the, their bargaining power there. It also attacks the exploitation of the independent contractor status. We all know that uh, uh, that Uber drivers are employees of Uber, and yet are the, the fiction of law in this country is that they are their own boss, even though Uber decides every single thing about the about the context of their working hours as an Uber driver they, they the, the fiction it is an absolute fiction the fiction is that they are a boss and so the pro act um, it doesn't go all the way in saying that they are exactly like employees it doesn't say uh, that that you know employers have to do this or that and and treat them like employees it, it only only says that employers have to treat employees uh, uh, employers have to treat independent contractors like employees in the case where the independent contractors want to unionize right D- do you follow me what that's I'm- huge yeah yeah that that's so so that that doesn't mean that all the other all the other laws with employees and, and independent contractors we can talk about whether or not that should be done in the future but the fact is that the pro act does not do that and there's a lot of misinformation out there about that saying that uh, the pro act would make independent contractor status illegal and you lose all the benefits of independent contractor status that's not true all the pro act does is allow independent contractors to collectively bargain okay that's all it does it's a very very Simple thing, but it's very good, and uh, and and creates it creates a uh, an environment where it is easier for independent contractors to uh, use their leverage in the same way that other employees do. Okay. It also narrows the definition of supervisor, um, and and this is important because uh, because employers bosses will. Define somebody as a supervisor when we everybody knows they're not a supervisor, okay? And and that's because uh, the act, the, the law as it is, says that you can de- be defined as a supervisor if you have the um, – if in your do- job description it is to assign and you have a responsibility to direct, Okay, that's not that's not super. That's not how everybody. Uh, th- that's not how we perceive of supervisors. We perceive of supervisors, and really, what matters the power that bosses have is in their ability to hire and fire, fire uh, with their own independent judgment. And so, what the Pro Act does is it strikes those definitions from the definition of a supervisor, which allows more people to be in the bargaining unit. We actually just saw an example of this with our brother Bender, Brendan Bates in West Virginia, who was classified by his supposedly progressive environmental nonprofit um, as a supervisor and thus could not be in the bargaining unit when they unionized with the IWW in West Virginia, and then they were fired. Brendan was fired. He was fired. And so the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, found that he was not, in fact, a supervisor, that he could be in the bargaining unit, and that his firing was an illegal retaliation. But the PRO Act makes it more explicit. 
what a supervisor is and is more correct in the definition of what a supervisor is. Just those two things alone are, are pretty big because yeah. that's been one of the biggest trends, uh, especially you know in the service industry, retail, is misclassifying workers in a way to diminish their power, really. Uh, you have folks at uh, Sonic and at Dollar General who are – glorified shift mm-hmm. leads mm-hmm. just because they're the one who you know has to count the money at the end of the night right and they're called supervisors they right. can't hire anyone they can't fire anyone uh most certainly cases, don't, they don't have even, any control over the business right they have no control over the business they're not uh you know at all tied to the profits of the store yeah. they maybe make a dollar or so more than you know the workers that they're quote-unquote supervising so that that's a big that's a big shift in the right direction the PRO Act also repeals the Taft-Hartley Act's ban on the NLRB hiring economists. This is just like, why should the National Labor Relations Board not be able to hire economists? And it's it's probably one of the lesser-known shackles of the Taft-Hartley Act placed on the board, but it was an important one because the NLRB's economic division was a powerful tool in the past for studying industrial statistics and trends and helped the board craft remedies accordingly. So that's, that's an important one that I didn't know. Again, read Brandon's Substack. That's one that I didn't know that the Pro Act did until I read Brandon's um, Brandon's piece on Substack. And I have dropped that link in the comments of both YouTube and Facebook. So there's a couple deal, of resources there. Check out Brandon's breakdown and also check out pastheproact.org for more ways to get involved in this effort. The Pro Act makes it an unfair labor practice for employers to undertake an offensive uh lockout of their workers. So under the current law, employers can lock out their workers as a bargaining tactic, as an as a negotiating tactic. The PRO Act makes that unlawful. The PRO Act makes it an unfair labor practice for employers to promise to, threaten to, or take action to permanently replace economic strikers. That is a huge, huge deal because under current law, like, I mean, again, we just talk about there's so much in law that is just fiction. Um, and the fiction is that you cannot fire striking workers. Well, you can permanently replace them. So you. You, you fired them, right? We all recognize that. So the PRO Act, like, I mean, it, it d- does away with this fiction and makes it a reality that you cannot – not only can you not fire striking workers um, who are exercising their their protected right to, uh, to, to, to fight for better wages and working conditions, you cannot permanently replace them. You have to give them their job back once they want to come back on. Um, and, and, you know, maybe some people would say – well, that infringes on the property rights of the – why shouldn't the employer be able to hire, fire whoever he wants? Like who cares what the employer wants to do, okay? There are some some laws – like screw the employer, okay? There, there – we not – like property rights is not the end-all, be-all, okay? We have to think about what is going to make a better society for working people, what is going to be of the benefit of working people. And in this case, the benefit of working people is not to – uh, to uh, to to put in our laws property rights uberales, okay? It just like so, you know. It, and I think that's a big, big distinction here. You know, 
take away all the labels, left wing, right wing, Republican, Democrat, do you think that human rights are more important than property rights? Which is and something that's that really Teddy Roosevelt down to right. Which is something that Teddy Roosevelt, Republican, that everybody loves to talk about. He said that that was one of his campaign things, like human rights over property rights. So uh, we're going to be talking some more. I think we're going to be able to wrap up the Pro Act on the next segment. So make sure you stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 876 4880. Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller. We are breaking down the Pro Act. We're going, we're going, we're going deep into it with the help of Brandon Magner on Substack. Uh, so let's just let's go right back into it. The Pro Act repeals the Taft-Hartley Act's ban on secondary boycotts, jurisdictional strikes, and recognitional picketing. Uh, this is uh, this is huge because um, you know secondary strikes, uh, uh, sympathy strikes were a very very big lever of power that workers had before the passage of Taft-Hartley. And so, what is a secondary strike? Well, let's say uh, that you know you've got the the mine workers in uh, in in. Brookwood, they are on strike right now. Well, uh, they've got scabs going into the mine, traitors to their class, traitors to their brothers and sisters, traitors to their communities, but they're still going into the mines and they're putting coal out. Well, that coal has to be shipped somehow, and unfortunately, that coal is being shipped by uh, union port workers in some case. Well, if the union port workers wanted to go on strike to support their brothers and sisters, current labor law says that it's illegal. The current so 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 I mean just just get, wrap your mind around this for a second for the people who who hold property rights sacrosanct. The law in this country prohibits workers from going on strike for whatever the hell reason they want to. You ought to be able to go on strike for whatever the hell reason you want to. The government shouldn't tell you when and when when you can and can't work, how how you should have to work. If you believe in property rights, if you believe in freedom, you should be for the for you know, you should be for this provision of the PRO Act at least, because the banning of secondary and sympathy strikes is not a principled small government stance. It is, in fact, a big government stance prohibiting the freedom of workers uh, for no other reason than to expand the power of the boss. The PRO Act also... um, it also makes it an unfair labor practice for employers to force employees to attend captive audience meetings. 
bosses shouldn't be able to uh, coercively inform their employees of how they feel about unions. Okay, look, if you want to go find, if you as a boss want to go find your workers on their own time and they're willing to talk to you on their own time about unions, I don't know why they would be willing to talk to you on on their own time. I think, you know, if, if you know, if, if somebody tried to come and talk to me and fill my head with anti-union nonsense on my own time, I tell them to go, you know, get lost. But if, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. We're not, this is not a First Amendment a First Amendment violation. This is only saying that you cannot make it mandatory that uh, that that your workers attend these these nonsense anti-union meetings. Okay, that's all. And that was a big part of the Amazon campaign in Bessemer, right. which uh, you know many of you know that the National Labor Relations Board has uh, recommended a, a do-over in the election. And part of the reason for that, in addition to the sketchy mailbox out front, was just the massive amount of anti-union tactics it deployed. Uh, and Which are legal. Yeah, and fortunately some of this is legal, and the captive audience uh, meetings is one of those. And I- I'm sorry, but if you force people to sit in these meetings week after week after week mm-hmm. and lawyers and bosses uh, threaten you and harass you and, and propagandize you, that does have an effect on right. on people's votes. And we know that every single conversation with a boss is laced with the implicit coercion because it's not – having a conversation with a boss is never the same as having a conversation with a coworker. Okay? Like we all we're – we're, I mean we're all adults, I think. We've all had a job. We've all worked in the real world, right? We, we understand this. A conversation with your boss is not the same as a conversation with your coworker, and a suggestion from your boss is not the same as a suggestion from your coworker. Okay, we're all adults. Let's let's be adults. Uh, the Pro Act sets up rigorous standards for negotiating an initial contract, up to and including interest arbitration. If the employer bargains in bad faith and does not award a first contract after a year, you could be looking at mandatory arbitration to make sure that workers get a first contract. We see this over and over. Even where workers win their unions, uh, uh, bosses will – they will uh, stall for years. I mean the New Yorker, they won an amazing contract. We had an interview with them a couple of weeks ago, and you should go back and listen to it. They won an amazing contract, but it took them more than three years to get it. That's nonsense. The PRO Act would make it better. The PRO Act also repeals the Landrum-Griffin Act's ban on so-called hot cargo agreements. Prior to 1959, it was legal for employers and unions to negotiate provisions in collective bargaining agreements that prohibited the employer from handling or working with any product coming from another company with whom the union has a labor dispute. Okay, so here again, this the Landrum-Griffin Act is the big government coming in and telling employers and unions what they can and can't agree to. Previously, unions could bargain for the ability to say to, to, to say put in their contract that the employer is not going to transport uh, uh, goods like it would make it. So for these port workers, in the case of, the, of this coal, the port workers could have previously put in their contract if the employer agreed to it. We will absolutely not. It would it would be against our contract to ship this coal. But the government now says that you can't agree to that as a boss. The government now says you can't agree to that as a boss. That is not an upholding property rights. That is not upholding freedom for the boss or for the worker, more importantly in my view for the worker. But still, I mean, still, the boss has a freedom there too. The boss could say, no, I don't want to put that in the contract. And the government, and, but the government is saying, no, you can't put in that, that in your contract. 
The PRO Act also makes it an unfair labor practice for employers to force their employees into mandatory arbitration agreements that waive those employees' right to bring or join class action lawsuits. It also makes it an unfair labor practice for employees to threaten, retaliate, or or coerce their employees from bringing or joining such suits. This is an important thing because, I mean, we've seen it. it, These these clauses in contracts are proliferating national or or, uh, non-disclosure agreements. And and, I mean, just making as a condition of your your employment. Employment, waving away your constitutional rights to get um, to get uh, 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 compensation for being done wrong, you just wave that away as a condition of your employment. The Pro Act makes that illegal, and that was one of the things that our our sister from the New Yorker Union told us they had to fight for. Yep. you know, so if that was something that wasn't even on the table, they could have spent that time and energy, uh, you know, fighting for wages, working conditions, any number of practices. Uh, but instead, you know, it's unfortunate. That's something we have to fight for, and that's something you know we've even had listeners call in and tell us about looking at prospective jobs and going through interviews and then being presented with these types of mandatory arbitration and non-disclosure type agreements that are just total BS. Yep. The next provision is something that Michael Yaffe. I don't know. Like I. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, right? He probably just doesn't understand. He's not a union guy. He's not a labor guy. This isn't the thing that he does. This is not the thing that that. That he, he digs into. But I corrected him and he doubled down. Okay. So he obviously didn't do the reading on that afterwards. The PRO Act would certify a union through card check in elections. Here's the catch. All he heard and all a lot of conservative talk radio fear mongers here is the PRO Act would certify a union through card check in elections. Okay. Well, but, oh, there are stipulations there. When does that happen? That happens when the employer committed an unfair labor practice, broke the law, or otherwise interfered with a fair election, and the employer did not demonstrate that the violation or other form of interference was unlikely to have affected the outcome of the, of the election. So two conditions have to be met right here, right? The the workers have to have said before the election by a fifty more than a fifty percent majority that they want a union. They signed the authorization card saying we want union representation. That's the first one. That's the first condition. And the second condition is that the employer over the course of the union election breaks the law. And not only do they have to break a law, they have to break the law in such a way that it materially affects the outcome of the election. Like they have to prove that, okay, yeah, sure, we broke the law, but it didn't affect the outcome of the election ultimately. They can even still break the law and this doesn't happen. They can even still break the law and it doesn't happen. But if they break the law and they cannot prove that their breaking of the law was immaterial to the outcome of the election, then the union is certified through card check, okay? If you're for law and order, this is a good provision for you. The PRO Act removes the offset rule for back pay awards. It is illegal to fire a worker for union uh, for their for, for being pro or anti-union. You can't do that. If you fire them, you have to hire them on with back pay. Okay, that sounds pretty good. But here's the catch. If the worker, over the course of the years that it can take to arbitrate this, uh, to, to, for this to work its way through the course, uh, through the courts, if the worker has taken a job, then the, the money that they earn through their new job is offset 
Okay, so if you work at at Walmart, Walmart fires you for being pro-union, and I get a job somewhere else, the income that I get at the other job is deducted from the back pay that Walmart owes me. That's nonsense. That means most of the time they don't actually have to pay out back pay. It's insane. It's a terrible rule. The PRO Act removes it. The PRO Act also removes the NLRB's inability to order non-remedial damages for unfair labor practices, and it removes the NLRB's inability to order relief for undocumented workers. The NLRB does not have does not have the ability to issue fines and, 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 and things like that, and it doesn't have the ability to issue any kind of relief for undocumented workers. Okay, this the PRO Act changes that. It gives them an ability to uh, issue fines and, and things like that, and it expands the the enforcement mechanisms of the National Labor Relations Board to undocumented workers. The PRO Act would also make ignoring NLRB orders punishable by $10,000 per day for each separate unfair labor practice. Uh, so we've got just a couple more things in the PRO Act, and then we're going to go on to the next segment. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is the Valley Labor Report. We will be right back to finish breaking down the PRO Act and talk about the coal miners and Brookwood. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison. Hey, you listen to conservative talk radio all week. Why don't you try something different for a change? The Majority Report with Sam Cedar is a five-time award-winning daily left-wing political talk show. We go live every weekday at 11 a.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel. You can find it by searching for The Majority Report. We talk about the news. We take libertarian callers. We have debates. We interview guests on topics ranging from the post-Civil War Reconstruction era, child poverty, capitalism, the intellectual dark web, and more. And that's all just within the last month. If you want to hear what smart, progressive political talk that is occasionally amusing sounds like, then you need to tune in. And you're always welcome to call in if you want to hear the correct opinion on any given topic. I will give it to you. Tune in to the Majority Report at 11 a.m. Central Time on YouTube or later wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so something that uh, really stands out to me that I I feel compelled to say is that this legislation, if you've been listening, hopefully you've picked up that this legislation is not radical. Uh, This is not, you know, the workers seizing the means of production here. Uh, It's a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty compromise type of piece of legislation. And the fact that so many would even see it as a radical change is really just indicative of how far the table has tables have turned over the past you know 70 80 years really when it comes to, to labor law right. uh you know and i think it's fitting we're, we're talking about this on the anniversary of president ronald reagan <laughs> busting the air traffic controller strike and that was not just a symbolic action it was certainly very harmful to those workers and it destroyed that union uh and damaged their lives but it was a symbolic uh it was a symbolic victory for 
for the bosses, against the working class, and we've seen unionization decline ever since then. It's one of those high-water marks in history. Uh, so the PRO Act, what that is, is this, like I said, what it seems like a very fair uh, reformist type of legislation that really just tries to even the odds just a bit. Uh, nothing too extreme here. This is just giving unions and workers seeking unions a little bit more of a fair shake because it's, as it stands now, the law is absolutely rigged for employees. Right. I mean, for employers. And and a lot of this is really just going back to the law of the land before this absolute assault on worker power. I mean, you notice when I'm going through, I'm saying this overturns Taft, this part of the act overturns this part of Taft-Hartley. This part of the act overturns this part of Landon Griffin. I mean, there there's... Uh, all of these laws, every single change to labor law in this country since the NLRA, basically, was... Um, was to benefit employers. And so really when I say that this law, uh, it balances it, – it, it restructures the balance of power um, to make it more fair, that's really all that it is. It's not radical. It really just makes it more fair. And that's so important because as it stands now, companies, whether it's Amazon or even you know smaller companies in your community, can cheat – they can lie, they can steal, and they can get away with it. Yep. They, you know, a ULP is more, very much a nasty gram posted on their door. You know, it, it comes with very little material consequences. Uh, and so that's insane that we have allowed it to get to that point. I think that, again, is indicative of, you know, our decline as workers and our power in this country. So the PRO Act is just, you know, one step. It's certainly not a silver bullet to solve all of our problems, but it would be a nice way to to have a more of a fair shake in terms of the law in this country. Right. So uh, let's get these last few points in, and we'll go on to the update on the coal miner strike. The PRO Act um, renders National Labor Relations Board orders as self-enforcing. I mean, this is – here again, I'm going back to the fiction, just the absurdity of the way that the law is right now. The NLRB orders are not self-enforcing. If an employer doesn't want to um, abide by the rules of the NLRB, he can just not abide by the rules of the NLRB, and he has to wait for a circuit court to enforce them. This makes the orders of the NLRB the executive the, – the executor of the labor law in this country. Makes them self-enforcing, and it, it makes it such that it that an employer can only not follow the orders if a circuit court um, comes in and says that that's not valid. So imagine that employers having to follow, uh, follow the law, the law. Oh, you know, no, like the rest crazy. of us average people. Yeah, uh, the Pro Act also authorizes civil penalties for employer unfair labor practices and for violating work uh, the Act's workplace notice posting rule and voter lists rule, and it creates personal liability for civil penalties for employers, directors, and officers. That means if you're a boss. On the job, breaking the law on the at the behest of Amazon, you are going to incur some amount of personal liability there that maybe will incentivize you to not break the law on behalf of on behalf of your feudal overlord. You know that might be something you want to consider. The PRO Act also includes intermittent strikes, slowdowns, and partial strikes as protected concerted activity. Section 7 of the NLRA has a list of what is protected concerted activity. What are activities that you cannot be uh, fired for? Okay, 
these are these are these would be included in that list and that's very important it adds to the list of tools that workers have in their toolbox intermittent strikes slowdowns and partial strikes very good stuff the pro act would repeal all state level right to work laws what does that mean remember folks we've gone over this so many times if you don't know what right to work is after you listen to this, to this show uh, for so long you need to find somebody. You need to go and review. We've done a lot of we've done a lot of clips on it. Uh, the the one that we dove most into about right to work was with Daniel Harris. It's been several months ago, but it was a really good one. It was it was the title was right to work must die. Uh, really quick, what is right to work? Right to work is the government interfering in uh, private negotiations between two private parties, the union and the employer, and saying you can't have a clause that says everybody that works here and benefits from union representation has to pay representation fees. It is coercion right to work laws are coercion they are big government coming in and telling people what they can and can't do the pro act repeals them the pro act also requires employers to disclose to the department of labor any outside consultants they hire to fight uh, union organizing campaigns doesn't say they can't hire them just says you gotta let people know and and there is a a cottage industry out there of lawyers and union busters who are very well paid to come in uh, and harass, intimidate, and lie to workers all over this country to try to prevent unions, to try to sow dissent within unions. Uh, It's pretty disgusting, and I, I think that's a very mild, moderate ask that they at least have to report that. Yep. The PRO Act adds whistleblower protections to the Labor Management Relations uh, and Something Act, LMRDA. And and that's important. I think people should be able to blow the whistle on things when, they're, when their employer is not doing something good. So so that's the PRO Act. That's a big deep dive. And even in that deep dive, like, gosh, I've spent like the last hour on it. That's crazy. I still left stuff out. So you got to read Brandon's Substack. That's what I'm telling you, okay? This whole hour has just been an ad for Brandon's Substack. You got to read it, folks. You got to read it. And I also talked a couple of weeks ago about what could make it through reconciliation. The International Association of Bricklayers and Allied Crafts, uh, they they cut my ramblings down to two minutes, put a really cool uh, animation to it. So you should follow them on Twitter and, and watch that. See, because because so so all of this, all of this. All right. Senators, Democratic senators, cinema mansion. If you want to honor our brother, Richard, Richard Trumpka, who died last week who his last several years was fighting for the passage of the PRO Act, you got to pass this law in its entirety, okay? Pass it in its entirety, and if it takes the elimination of the filibuster, then you do it. If you're not willing to do that, then keep his name out of your mouth, okay? Keep his name out of your mouth. If you're not willing to eliminate the PRO Act, uh, to eliminate the filibuster, to pass the PRO Act, keep Brother Trumpka's name out of your mouth. Amen. Okay? Uh, but we still may not be able to get that done, so parts of it can make it through reconciliation, and we went through that the other day. So uh, you should go and take a look at that, the Bricklayers Union on Twitter. Um the next topic, let's talk about the coal miners strike. We'll spend we'll spend a few minutes on that. Uh the coal miners had a huge rally on Wednesday. Uh way more than 2000, I think maybe 3500 uh union members from across the country uh came to support these workers. Lots of unions and what what, the, the, what was interesting about the crowd uh that Hamilton Nolan pointed out, you should read it, uh, read his article 
for In These Times. Hamilton Nolan wrote an article for In These Times about the rally. He noted that this was this crowd was diverse in a way that is not that's not like corporate fiction. It wasn't people plucking, you know, one Asian and one black person and one woman and one gay and putting them all here for a corporate ad. It was it was a natural thing that this crowd was racially diverse. It was diverse in gender. It was even politically diverse. And all that diversity did not it did not create a conflict. He said that he had people when he was interviewing them that made it a point to tell him, I'm a Trump guy. And then he also interviewed people who had on T-shirts that said uh, labor for black lives or something like that. You know, you've got this a huge range. And I know for a fact there were socialists in the crowd. And I know for a fact that there were conservatives in the crowd. OK, you've got this huge range of political and, and anarchists, I believe. You've got this huge range of political. Political, um, political ideology in the crowd, and they were all there united for a real purpose, not some superficial, like, oh, you know, um, it wasn't some superficial thing. It was like a real thing that they were there for to support these miners in their fight for better wages and working conditions down two miles below the surface of the earth, fighting for a better contract against their exploitative company, Warrior Met Coal. And uh, and that's really, really beautiful. There was gospel singing. Uh, there was uh, there were popsicles. There was water being handed out. I mean, it was a it was it was a beautiful place to be. Um, it was. And, and I want to just point out that everyone there was standing in the Alabama heat, it was yeah. very hot. I still For hours. Sun, I'm still Mid-day. sunburned from other day going down there. But yeah. uh, like you said, Jacob, this was a really an inspiring event to see so many people, and the South was very well represented. We had sisters and brothers from Tennessee, mm-hmm. from uh, Georgia, South Carolina. All over, uh, we had some of our Yankee brothers and sisters made the long <laughs> trip down to Brookwood. Uh, you name the union, you can just about mm-hmm. find them there. And it, it really was a, a great, great uh, event. Uh, so all credit to UMWA for helping to put that together. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just an inspirational thing. And that is the promise of the labor movement, being able to transcend some of those divisions to unite around our common interest. Right. And so uh, we've got a couple more updates for you. We've got some bad news for the miners and we've got some good news for the miners. And then we're going to talk about how you can help. So make sure you stay tuned to the Valley Labor Report. We're going to be giving you the rest of the update on the coal miners. Down in Brookwood, stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. 
The bad news is that there was a new modified injunction placed on the um, on the on the union and their allies, and increased penalties placed on the union and their and their allies. What is the uh, the modified order? The modified order states that there are there can be no more than ten people on a picket line. This is something the number has kind of fluctuated, uh, but it's it's absolute nonsense. There has only been. Two times over the course of this strike that, uh, that, 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 that the striking miners have prohibited scabs from coming in and out of the mines. In my opinion, uh, they, they, they could do that more for all I care, and this would still not be warranted. But only two times absolutely does not warrant this kind of order being put out there. Okay? It, it just – it simply doesn't. Those two times uh, – th- th- having that happen two times and then the government coming in pr- and prohibiting how and when and where and how many people can speak and make their discontent known to their employer. That's absolutely uh, you know, government tyranny, big government uh, 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 nonsense is what it that is. It is. I mean and what pisses me off is you have people who want to whine and cry because they've been told to wear a mask in public and, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to get off on that subject. Subject, but you know there are people yeah, who said they are shows, victims of tyranny. They right. are being oppressed by a dictatorship because they have to pe- put a piece of fabric on their mouth when they go to right. Walmart. That you know, but have nothing the, to say about being restricted to mm-hmm. go to the picket line, being restricted to uh, demonstrate against a greedy vampire of a company, and you know that's just asinine to me. It shows the difference in what the in what the corporate bosses want you concerned about and actual issues right if you hear so much about the masks and oh my gosh the masks and look i hate it and and frankly i don't wear i still don't wear masks okay where i don't have to and that like you know that i i just because i just don't want to i'm vaccinated and, and i don't want to okay now but like i don't go crying about it and if people ask me to wear a mask i'll wear a mask okay like it's just like it's not a big deal there are more important things like if you want to rant about government tyranny there are so many things that you can rant about but i mean gosh like Get your priorities in order, you absolute babies. I mean, if that is the worst crap. thing that happens to you today, if someone tells you to Children. put a piece of mask on your face, if that's the most obnoxious thing, if that's the most oppressive thing that happens to you today, well, then you've had a pretty damn good day because yeah. most of the rest of us are dealing with debt, we're dealing with bills, we're dealing with uh, police mm-hmm. harassment, we're dealing with problems that real people have. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's childish. Sorry, it's hard to get off no, on a tangent point. here, it's a but point. it does tie into the the broader theme here of what you just said of what the bosses and the media want us to be concerned about versus mm-hmm. what's actually mm-hmm. real and happening to real people. The injunction also prohibits uh, people from quote being under the influence of alcohol uh, on the picket line, and like that's dumb. I think you ought to be able to drink a beer on the picket line. I'm I I like beer. I thought that was a big conservative thing like a couple years ago when Kavanaugh was being I thought everybody said I liked beer. Well, 
I like beer. People should be able to drink beer on the picket line, okay? Uh, it also prohibits um, prohibits people from shining flashlights um, <laughs> on the picket line. Um, and it uh, – uh, let's see. What else? It, it also – so the, the injunction doesn't do this, but uh, some of the sheriff's offices have taken it on themselves. It's either Tuscaloosa or Jefferson County. I can't recall which one it is. But I've been told by the miners down there that one of the jurisdictions has said that they can't call a scab a scab as they cross the picket line. I mean, again, you know, these people – like like – I thought that was protected by our First Amendment. Seriously. That you could call is, someone a scab if you wanted to. You could, yeah. I mean, I thought that there was like this whole big, like, uh, this big culture uh, war issue about. Are they going to cancel the miners yeah. for, for using the word scab? I mean, these, are they canceled by the, by these, the cops? Is that what's going to happen Yeah. Here? I mean, PC, woke, social justice warrior cops down in middle Alabama making sure that scabs don't get the damn feelings hurt. I mean, give me a freaking break. Give me a freaking break. So that's the modified injunction. Uh, and we've also got increased penalties for the and, – and, and increased penalties for violations of the injunction or violations of the law. I talked about this with somebody the other day, and they were like, well, you know, look, they should uh, – if, if they're going to do civil disobedience knowing that they're breaking the law, they should go to jail, and they should get the news coverage for that, and, and that's what Martin Luther King did. And, and like, yes, of course, that's what Martin Luther King did, and that's what they're going to do. But that doesn't mean that the law should – that the state should come down even harder on them when they're fighting for a just cause. That – like, what is happening here – is that the state is artificially increasing the penalties for breaking the law in acts of civil disobedience against an unjust employer. That is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. And so what are those increased penalties? For any future conduct in for any future conduct in violation of the court's modified injunction, the court will issue the following sanctions: one, fifty thousand dollars for the first a fifty thousand dollar fine for the first violation. Fifty thousand dollars. That's just a one hundred thousand dollar fine for the second violation and imprisonment of up to ten days for persons in leadership roles who are shown to have planned, supported, participated in, and or encouraged the volative activity. Three for all additional violations, a two hundred thousand dollar fine and imprisonment for up to thirty days for persons in leadership roles. Blah 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 blah. Um, also, for any future conduct in violation of the court's modified injunction by an individual, so not by the so like so you know it lists the defendants there, but if somebody else goes down there and violates the 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 thing, like so if if, if Adam or I did, then we would be subjected to a fifty dollar fine for the first violation, a hundred dollars and five days in prison for the second, and two hundred dollars and fifteen days on the third. That's fine to me. Okay, that's like I I can pay a fifty dollar fine and I can go to jail for a night. Or, but, but, the, but that's, well, that's you know, the my issue. headphones weren't working just now. I, I didn't really hear what you said. So, right. I know that you didn't uh, you hear. Know, I know I, that yeah. I haven't looked at it. So if he I were to abs- accidentally end up right. down there, uh, you that's know, right. I can just plead ignorance. That's right. Uh, yeah. He didn't, he didn't actually hear that. Not uh, at that all. part. Uh, um, but, but, you know, we ask a lot in the labor movement. And, and of course, you may have heard the song about whose side are you on? And, uh, the local law enforcement and judges, Alabama's judges, Alabama's politicians, politicians yep. they have have made it clear whose side they're on, and it's not on the side of these miners and their families. It's the side of Warrior Met, which is a conglomerate of corporate vampires out of New York City. 
That was the bad news. What is the good news? There is some really good news. Like I said, that rally on Wednesday was good news. Also good news is Warrior Mets financial report. Why am I smiling about Warrior Mets financial report? That financial report showed that Warrior Met has had less than half of the productions year over year. Um, so that means that they have produced less than half of what they did at the peak of the pandemic this time last year. The second quarter of 2020, we were in the peak of the pandemic, the peak of the shutdowns, uh, the peak of, of, of people being scared and things like that. Warrior Matt produced half of what they did during that time. Okay, that means huge profit losses. That means they're really going to be feeling the hurt. That means the strike is doing its job. And so the question then is how long is who is going to be able to hold out longer? And the miners, I believe, have the determination, the will, and the community support, the support from the people in Brookwood, from the local grocery stores that are giving them discounted groceries, the local, uh, the local restaurants that are discounting their foods, the local, um, uh, the local thrift stores that are helping them out, the labor movement in their community in Alabama and in the nation writ large who are donating hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to their strike funds. I believe the miners are going to be able to make it one day longer than Warrior Met is willing to go. And that is the goal. And that is what uh, uh, this this financial report from Warrior Met for the second quarter of fiscal year 2021 makes that makes that belief more likely to become a reality. And it made me happy to see it. And it dispels some of the myths that are being pushed by the company because the company line was that they, you know, they really weren't worried about this strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they, We've got scabs. They can do the same work for the, you know, and. Uh, you know, some of their management have even implied, oh, we could run these same mines with a fraction right. of uh, the workforce. And, you know, clearly that's not true. And I think it was great that this came out the same week as this rally, uh, you know, and, and just seeing that the strike is working. And, and I think that's why it's so important. That's why we keep talking about this issue. And it's why we keep encouraging any of you who can to donate to the strike fund. Uh, so we raise money for the strike fund because they do need help. Uh, this is not cheap to stay out on strike this long and to support these families. The and, union uh, is paying a million dollars a week. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 wild, the uh, expenses that come with this. And unfortunately, it's not cheap or easy to put up a righteous fight. But they are putting up a righteous fight, and, and we've seen uh, just – really inspirational work that they are doing uh and i want to credit you know hayden and braxton uh both of them were on a for the first time ever mainstream media i'm sorry if i stole your thunder jacob but mainstream media actually like reported on this abc news did a great segment uh thursday evening in their primetime news uh they interviewed hayden ride interviewed braxton ride they interviewed uh the vice president, Larry Spencer, they did a great job advocating for their cause, and I, I appreciated ABC News for finally putting something out there and kind of breaking the silence in yeah. mainstream media. Uh, and I don't think that would have happened without not, people like Kim Kelly. Yeah, people like Kim people Kelly, like Max, uh, Max Alvarez, uh, Real News Network, Means TV, More Perfect Union. In, in these times, times. Yeah. you know, these sort of independent news outlets. Uh, who are an independent journalist who are really trying to keep these stories alive because they don't want to talk about it on CNN or MSNBC mm-hmm. or, you know, NBC News. 
these are not the stories they want to talk about because their sponsors aren't pleased by it. Doesn't right. necessarily attract some of the same culture war clicks uh, online. Uh, so really credit to all the hardworking journalists who've kept this story out there. And, and of course, all credit to the miners and their families for holding the line. And, and we are with you. We will remain with you. How can you help? You can donate to the Strike Fund, and you can donate to the Strike Pantry Fund. You should follow Hayden Wright on Twitter, H-A-E-D-E-N-W-R-I-G-H-T. On Twitter, her pinned tweet has the link to the Strike Fund that is administered by the Union and the Strike Pantry Fund that is administered by the Auxiliary. Um, the Strike Pantry Fund, it, you know, as you can... It, its name is self-explanatory. It pays for food and like clothing, clothing and, and essentials and stuff like that for for the children and the families of the striking miners. And the strike fund is a fund that is divvied out in addition to the three hundred fifty dollars a week that they get in their strike checks. They also add the supplement, whatever they can, from the strike fund to their to those weekly payments. Um, and so you can donate there. You can send a letter or call or email your representatives. Uh, the, those are in the state Senate, the state House, or the House, the, the U.S. House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate because um, there has been a complete um, uh, and almost, and I'll get to that here, almost a complete silence on from the political class about this strike. So you should send a letter, at, tell them to to support these these miners put pressure on the company but especially the republican ones because lately we have been seeing some democratic support in fact the chair of the alabama democratic party spoke at the rally he said when he introduced himself i'm the chair of the alabama democratic party don't hold that against me <laughs> i thought that was funny but he spoke in support of them and he said that he was willing to do what it took to help them what he could to get them a fair contract and the republicans who always talk about how they care about coal and coal miners they had better be able, be willing to do the same thing the republican even if they don't represent brookwood they ought to because i guarantee you i guarantee you that your state representative or you your congressperson they do not limit their subjects of comment to things that directly affect the district i would be willing to bet that they talk about critical race theory i would be willing to bet that they talk about china i would be willing to bet that they talk about this or that or whatever the the culture war issue of the day is so you should tell them to make this their culture war issue of the day okay and also ask your media to talk about it if you live down in birmingham and you listen to matt murphy on 99.5 you should tell him to talk about it if you live down in mobile and you listen to jeff port on 106.5 you should tell him to talk about it and talk about it in a positive way support the coal miners you should tell your media and that's those are just the conservative talk radio hosts that I know. You should tell your liberal talk. You should be writing to AL.com. You should be writing to the Alabama political reporter, Decatur Daily, uh, Tuscaloosa News. All these places, you should be telling them to write these workers' stories and make sure that people know what is happening and how they can support them and to put real public pressure on this company because they are not treating their workers right and their workers deserve to be treated. Right. That is it for our update on the coal miners. We are going to be right back to wrap it up with what happened a couple weeks ago in Southern Labor. And maybe if we've got time, give you some updates on Huntsville. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison.
All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller. That's just an important reminder, folks. Uh, you don't need your boss. Your boss needs you. Uh, so I have I have some really cool sound for uh, last week in Southern Labor, but we're running so short on time that we're not going to play it. Uh, we're not going to play it this week, but I really do like it, and it pains me because I spent a very long time making that sound, but it's good, and you should hear it on some of our other stuff. But let's go ahead and get right into it. That's why you stay tuned. That's why you week. stay tuned for next week. Maybe we'll have time to play it then. Uh, last week in Southern labor uh this time it's actually what happened two weeks ago in southern labor because we're a week behind and so is jonah Furman. he hasn't released his newsletter this week so that gives us time to catch up as well uh jonah Furman does a weekly newsletter on what happens in u.s labor you can subscribe to get what happens in the rest of u.s labor on substack.com slash who get or no it's who gets the bird dot substack yeah, that's it. Jonah Furman on Substack.com. So let's jump right into it. There's, there, it, it was a pretty slow week for the Southern organizing, but there was actually a lot in the rest of U.S. labor. So this is this would be a really good time to jump on while he's a week behind. You can jump on, catch up, and find what happened in the, uh, in the rest of U.S. labor uh, because there wasn't a whole lot that happened down in the south a couple of weeks ago. So for new organizing, there was only one uh, there was only one thing happening there, and that was 14 electricians for Brent Electric in Tulsa, Oklahoma, are voting on whether to join IBEW Local 584. There was one loss: ten workers at Industrial Glass Supply. In, uh, sorry, there was one loss: ten workers at the Industrial Gas Supplier. 
Praxair in Austin, Texas, deadlocked 5 to 5, which means they did not join the Teamsters Local 657. There are a couple updates on strikes and bargaining. Of course, we just, just gave you a big update on the coal miner strike down in Brookwood. Uh, they're still on strike, could still use your support. And, uh, local 1199 in Florida is pushing for a hazard pay provision, uh, because of the coronavirus. There is, uh, a big update. The biggest update on politics and legislation is that uh, Politico took a look at how labor is responding to the idea of a vaccine mandate. And the answer is unevenly. The AFL-CIO's Richard Trumpka, may he rest in peace, came out in favor of a mandate, uh, while the AFL's largest affiliate, AFT, the American Federation of Teachers, came out vocally against one. The issue is not quite whether members should get vaccinated, but whether that should be mandated with the implication of punitive measures for those who do not get the shot. And it's not falling along the same culture war lines as the general public's vaccine conversations seem to be, with usually liberal unions like 1199 SEIU being some of the most vocal opponents. Um, and actually existing mandates have popped up unevenly as well, with the largest one set to be announced or, or that has been announced as Joe Biden mandates but refuses to say mandate uh, the two million federal employees to get a shot or submit to weekly testing. Um, and, and the main thing here, the union position, and not to overgeneralize too much, but basically unions are taking the position of any kind of vaccine ma- mandate, we should be at the table to discuss that discuss right. what that looks like, the implementation, what are the penalties. And I think that is a very reasonable uh, response, and that's the union's job is to advocate for the workers and to make sure they're at the table with any decisions that impact workers. So it's not the same as to say the, the, you know, that they're anti-vaccine by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, right. So I think it's, you know, it's important to have that distinction, especially as mainstream media often uh, loses that distinction. And it's interesting, you know, the, the – it, it really is just over the ability to bargain for your working conditions, which is a fundamental cause of labor. And um, Leo Gertner on Twitter is a labor lawyer, and he had an interesting idea that unions should come to the table with the willingness to accept a vaccine mandate, but only in exchange for a minimum of 15 days of paid sick leave uh, per year, like having that put into law if a vaccine mandate is going to be issued out by the government. And I think that that would be a really good uh, – that would be a really really good compromise position because obviously vaccines are good. Vaccines are effective. Everybody needs to get vaccinated. Um, and you should you should do your research uh, about them because you, if you do your research properly, you will find that what I am saying is the case. Uh, but also, um, unions should fight for other things. And the fact is that uh, that there are side effects to the vaccine. I I you know it wasn't terrible for me. It felt like I had a little bit of a cold. But fortunately enough for me, I do have paid sick leave, and so I took the day off because I wanted to. I had a headache. I didn't feel great. I could have gone into work. Didn't want to, so I took sick leave. Everybody should be able to do that. Especially if the if vaccination is going to be mandatory, right? So. And I also think it's kind of funny that uh, we mentioned Politico because I don't know if you guys saw this, but just this week, Politico's owner uh, wrote a very nice long letter to all of his employees <laughs> uh, describing on why they should not join a union. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a uh, a wave of media and newsroom media uh, union drives. Uh, it's just 
catching on like wildfire. Apparently, some of the workers at Politico would like to unionize, uh, and fingers crossed that will improve their content. Uh, but their boss uh, just you know doesn't really think that's the right fit for their culture, and it was kind of a. Uh, yeah, laundry list of all the anti-union talking points you can imagine, but dressed up in much more flowery liberal language. Yep. All right. Uh, so let's get to the last four or five minutes that we have here. Adam, what happened in Huntsville over the last couple of weeks? Well, I, I just well, – in the time remaining, I want to plug a few events that we have happening locally um, and also just remind you that Labor Notes is doing uh, really incredible training on Secrets of a Successful Organizer, and that will start this Tuesday on the 10th. So throughout the month of August from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, on Tuesday, starting next this next Tuesday on the 10th, throughout the end of the month, Labor Notes is holding this training online. Please sign up if you're interested, you know, regardless of where you're at, but especially those of you who are local and you're, you know, maybe trying to learn how to get started with this. Great, great uh, way to get plugged in. Uh, North Alabama School for Organizers here in the area is holding an automotive free clinic at the Futures Homeless Shelter in Huntsville on Saturday, August 21st from 9 to 12. Uh, They are looking for volunteers and for donations. And what they're going to do is uh, offer oil changes, light repairs, teach people how to change a tire, uh, and they are offering these repairs and oil changes to the poor or homeless uh, at no cost. This is a great demonstration of mutual aid. So if you can't afford it, chip in a couple bucks. If you have any uh, training or expertise uh, working on cars, maybe you could volunteer your labor. Uh, NASO, North Alabama School for Organizers, is also holding a virtual fireside chat this Wednesday, August 11th, with uh, Catherine Herford. I'm a big fan of Catherine's work in the community as an activist and organizer, so that should be interesting. Sunday, August 22nd at 2 p.m. at the Butler Green Park in Campus 805, the uh, United Women of Color are hosting a Unity Festival. So that's going to be a great uh, event to take your family to, have fun. I really support those sisters with uh, United Women of Color and all the good work they're doing. In terms of news here uh, in the Huntsville area, I'm going to start in Gunnersville, a little bit south of us in Marshall County. Relatives of Travis Banks, age 32, who died last weekend from injuries at the Gunnersville City Jail, are demanding answers and access to body cam footage. And they are alleging that department officials have withheld critical information. That comes from an August 6th article on AO.com by Amy Yurkanen. Uh Sorry if I mispronounced that, Amy. Uh, definitely encourage you to check that out. That's something we've mentioned on this show is, is that, unfortunately, even a brief stay in city county jail can be deadly. So, I, you know, my heart goes out to that family, and I hope they get the answers they're searching for. And uh, school started this week for most of the schools in this area. Uh, send my love and solidarity and best wishes to all the education employees in the area. Uh, and a special shout out to Highlands Elementary faculty, staff, students, and community. Uh, unfortunately, they had to relocate at the last minute because of ongoing construction and repairs at their school, which, quite frankly, they deserve better. I know personally for a fact that Huntsville City Schools and other agencies were long aware of building quality issues there. Uh, it could have been resolved well before now. So uh, shout out to the Highlands team. 
I don't know if anybody can do it. Y'all can survive it, but you shouldn't have been placed there in the first place. And that's all I got for Huntsville. All right, Adam, thank you very much for that. And just uh, just to make it clear, apologies for this, folks. I just checked the registration for the Labor Notes training. Registration is full. They are no longer accepting any more people in that training. But keep an eye out because they do these periodically. Folks, uh, we will see you next week.